137th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Welcome back, everybody, to Pixelated Paranormal, episode number 37. And this in a ep- row? In a row. Man. That's a clerk's call out if anybody out there is paying attention. So. Nobody watches those garbage movies. Yeah, a couple more will be over the hill. <laughs> That's true. We're, we're, we're on the edge of 40. Man. Just Our like record. Rob. <laughs> I have you know I've already hit the edge of 40 Just the bare edge Just the bare edge, just the tip So this is going to be our special lunar episode Because we are recording Hot off the coattails of the eclipse And everybody made it Yeah yeah, nobody I'm died. A dis- I'm a little disappointed because I was told that One, during the eclipse We'd see lizard men Bigfoot werewolves and uh, there was some other weird shit and none of that happened yeah which could be a good thing i don't know rob never went to kelly hopkinsville so yeah no and i'm glad i didn't guys it was ridiculous the traffic between here and hopkinsville was just traffic bumper to bumper really it was a freaking nightmare if you didn't leave at eight o'clock in the morning you did not get there at one or at uh one one thirty when the eclipse Ooh. happened Holy crap, you yeah. watch that shit like on the highway then, huh? Yeah. Oof, forget that noise. I'm glad you didn't go. Yeah, so I stayed home and we sat out on the on our uh, porch and we watched it from there and you know, I'm, it was two minutes of cool. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah! And, but I mean, it was really weird because we got like 99% coverage. I don't know how much you guys got where you were at. 92. But, 90. Yeah. I don't know. So it made everything this weird grayish light. It was yeah, it was creepy. Wichita, it's almost like somebody put a gray filter over like a camera lens and just made the world look like that. We had a right. nice overcast. Wichita kind of looked smoky and hazy, but that was yeah. about it. Yeah. See, I think it'd be cool. I think the solar eclipse is really neat, but I'm not as impressed as I would be if it would have gotten completely dark, like a whole blackout. Yeah. Well, that well that actually happened in the area of totality. Right, that's true. That's true. So I mean, like, we- and uh, here's the thing: 2024, we are right smack dab again in the area of totality <laughs> for the next lunar or the, for the next solar eclipse. I'm like, really? And like, you can literally see the map. There's a cross like right around the Hopkinsville, Madisonville area. It's like it's a cross where I'm like. And I think next time it comes through here, I think Henderson will actually be in the area of totality. See, that, really? that's the thing that irritated me because when, when people were promoting this fucking eclipse, they're all like, "Guys, this is a once in a lifetime event. This is right. going to happen like <laughs> once every hundred years. So you, the next time you're going to be dead, so you should go now. No, bitch, 2024 is when the next one's going to be. Well, yeah, that's but what I thought too. This is like, the it'll... first time the entire United. This is the last time the whole United States will get it at one time. When it comes yeah. back in 2024, it literally comes up like the coast of Mexico and kind of veers all up towards the northeast. Uh, the United, yeah, northeast of the United States. Oh, okay. So it's not like this year where it started in Washington State and Washington and Oregon and just moved all the way down across towards. I'm just saying, if I feel like putting on my traveling pants, I can go see a total eclipse in the next, you know, four or five years. I'm just happy you put pants on at all. Yeah. (laughs) Most people are. (laughs) Right, right. 
but yeah, um, so with that being said, we thought we'd do a show in conjunction, in conjunction, in conjunction with that, and uh, just pretty much make the whole episode about the moon. There we Yay. go. <laughs> so tonight's show is going to be riddled with one of my favorite conspiracies of all time. One that is filled with mystery, mayhem, movie making, and also a murder. All dun, dun, dun. in connection with the moon. Don't forget the ant people and all the stuff about the moon you didn't even know. Right. Yeah, we've got some fun facts about the moon, too, that not a lot of people know. Because that's what we do, folks. We bring it to you first. Just like the E! True Hollywood story on, <laughs> right. you know, Celebrity Ghost. The, the moon true Hollywood story. Yeah. So, do you guys think that we went to the moon? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I believe that we went, but I don't believe the film that we saw was the actual moon footage. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why. Because we were so under so much pressure that they're like, dude, we can't fuck this up on national television because the fucking Ruskies are going to know. So they're like, let's fake it. Nobody will ever know the difference. And if something goes wrong, our asses will be covered. There you go. There you go. It's one of my favorite. I don't think I'm in that whole pen of people that think we didn't go. But I do think some of the ideas are pretty interesting, and some of them right. can kind of sway your opinion a little yeah. farther than you might think. So, um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll get into that more here in a little bit. Uh, first, we'll probably drop a little bit of news on you guys. It wouldn't be a whole show if we didn't drop a little news on you. So, um, Rob, strap, go ahead and jump on in. Strap that. on your seatbelts and wait for this rocket to explode. <laughs> so. So this past week, uh, we had some interesting news come forward. Uh, there was a missing woman uh, who went disappeared in July, and she'd been missing about a month. Um, everybody, her family and everything, feared she was dead. Um, but in fact, like two days before she was she, she was found, uh, they had even cleared her court record. She was uh, had a misdemeanor. Uh, code of conduct uh, strike against her, but she didn't show up for court for that because she disappeared. So they cleared it, and two days later she shows up. But a woman, uh, her name was um, let me find that damn name again. Really, I, I loved, uh, I loved, I love the People magazine story. Legally blind woman survived a month in the wild bear, wild before being found naked on the roadside reports. <laughs> so I don't know why. It was needed to be said that she was legally blind, but um, Lisa Theris uh, was found by a passing motorist who at first thought the woman was a deer. Um, she said she's seen the woman, thought it was a deer, and then realized it was a person, pulled over, and noticed that she was naked, and uh, asked her, you know, what's going on? She said, can I have some water? Uh, and the woman gave her some water and called 911, told the police. Uh, the woman had lost 50 pounds in the month while she was in the woods. She lived off of drinking muddy water and uh, mushrooms and um, wild berries. Huh. Uh, so, and, and the story, that, that there's a lot that's going to come out about this story because there's a lot of weird inconsistencies, inconsistencies with it. Uh, it says at one point she was riding with two men mm-hmm. and they were going to go rob a camp. Uh, or a cabin or something up in the woods, and she didn't want to be a part of that, so she jumped out of the vehicle. Yeah. 
and uh, and then later on, the two men were arrested, but they had no clue what had happened to her because they said she jumped out of the vehicle, but they had been arrest- arrested for actually robbing the, the campsite. Right. Um, so... Uh, but she said she'd been trying to she, uh, basically the woods that she was lost in it was in Alabama, and it's about a thousand acres of woods. That's where she jumped out at, and she said it took her a month before she could find any of the roads and stuff. Uh, when they did find her, she was covered in bug bites. Horrible. You can just they looked horrible. I mean, you can see the pictures that they showed of her, and I actually did watch an interview with her, um, and she's like, "Yeah, she's like I was out there for a month and." I she th- they think she was getting ready to she's probably not going to be alive much longer. She was going to die pretty soon if she hadn't been found. Cause she's, th- hang on, I thought you meant like even after the fact or like yeah, all that being said, she's probably going to die in a couple days. No. <laughs> <laughs> but womp womp. <laughs> but uh, she's still recuperating. Uh, it's been almost I think about a week since she's come home, and she's, she's like still in pretty bad shape. Uh, but she's getting better. Um, yeah, she lost 50 pounds. Uh, she says she's looking forward to going back to uh, radio uh, for, to college. She's going to be a radiologist. Nice. Um, but uh, I, I'm really interested to see where the story goes because I, I feel like there's not enough. 30 days is a long time not to find a road. Right. It's also a long time to live out in the wilderness by yourself with no food and water. I honestly thinking of like drinking muddy water that's a good way to get dysentery and stuff too so it's amazing that she didn't die from that alabama's not known as one of the cleanest states right so i am really interested to hear this story because i think there's so much more that we're not hearing and it could be it could be another one of those missing 411 type of stories or she was or those stories we hear where somebody gets lost in another dimension or whatever and can see no matter what they do uh, you know they can't they can't find their way back. Also, she was naked, so she couldn't turn her shirt inside out. <laughs> so it's not a creepy horse. So pervert. that's right. So you know she wasn't lost in the woods for thirty days because she didn't have a shirt on. So you know I don't know, but <laughs> hey, that's a. I it's a, it's still a fascinating story. I I, I really am interested. I'm going to try to keep a lookout on this story because I really want to know what happens. They said in the interview that they couldn't talk about how she disappeared because it's still under investigation. Right. So, and she just has no memory? Classic case of no memory or what? Uh, I, she, they haven't talked much about it. Huh. She hasn't talked about where what happened during her ordeal. She right. said she couldn't find the road. So that's what I'm... I, I'm kind of wondering what had happened. You know, yeah. it just seems really... It could all be completely real and honest and a, and a true story, but you said she lost 50 pounds in 30 days? Yeah, 30 days, and she was super tanned. Right. So, I mean, that so, makes sense if you're, if you're right. having limited water. And covered water. in bug bites. Right. She, she didn't, so, but I, I don't know what happened to her clothes. How That's, old is she? Uh, 20... Uh, 25. So she's like on the coattails of being a millennial that, you know, they get lost in the woods pretty easy. They don't even know how to use real hand tools or anything You're on the coattails of being a millennial. What are you talking (laughs) about? We're way past that. No, we're not. We're like generation, uh, one of the Y or generation Z or whatever they called it. So (laughs) that new generation you have to watch out for. I I don't think so. I don't know how to get out of the woods. My phone can't tell me. What do I do? Why is she all of a sudden an old man? 
It's not an old man voice. With that voice, she ought to be wearing the hat that you're wearing right now. Uh, the pub champion hat? <laughs> yeah, no shit. The pork pie hat. I don't think you are anywhere near the millennial group that we should, quote, watch out for. I think you're the guy we just passed by and think, eh, he's not a threat. Yeah. He's probably How old are you, Preston? 32, Rob. Be 30. I believe you're. I believe you're a millennial. The fuck I am. But not one of the ones we have to watch out for. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see, dude. What happened uh, to her and why she's naked? And it could be just part of a bigger elaborate hoax to not get in trouble for robbing these campers or whatever they said they were doing. <clears throat> what year were you born? Eighty-four, Rob. 1984. Uh, the millennial group is between the year ages, uh, or for, were born in the years 1980 to 1995. Oh, fuck. Whatever. Hmm. <sighs> Looks like you're a millennial. <laughs> oh, we're going to get you a name tag that says, hi, my name is Stu <laughs> I'm a millennial. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but don't worry about me. <laughs> I can wet my own ass. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah, well, that'll be interesting to see what happens and how that unfolds. It'll probably just get dropped, like every other good story that we're halfway interested in. They'll just be like, well, eh, you know, whatever. She got her 15 minutes of fame. Hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that, I like that part, though, how they were going to be going to rob a camping uh, a campsite or whatever it was, and all of a sudden she's like, wait, I didn't know we were doing that. Fuck yeah. this noise. <laughs> Fuck this. I'm not, I'm not into this no more. I've already got a, a code of... Con- uh, uh, what, I don't know code of conduct. I know that's not a fucking law. She's gonna, I can't even think what I'm trying to, what it's called. She has morals. <laughs> She's a lady. She has values. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. Well, well. With that being said, I heard you might have a little bit of maybe some Rob robots for us too. Um, that's right, Sean. I got a little bit of Rob's robot news here. Uh, Elon Musk is one of the 116 lead experts that is calling for an outright ban of killer robots. Um, The list of people, including Mr. Musk, uh, thinks that the UN should ban the use of killer robots uh, and AI. Um, He says that uh, it's very dangerous to, to have such things and we shouldn't be using... We should be using these things for good instead of bad and evil purposes. Right. Um... So, uh, what do you guys think about that? Because I can see it two two ways. Uh, I can definitely see it like, do we need killer robots out there killing innocent people with no human emotion tied behind them? But at the same time, I, I can almost see them being a National Guard type of thing, where if somebody was to invade us, then we could protect ourselves with robots, so we'd protect our civilians and our soldiers from fighting wars at home. But then so that's could, kind of... Somebody could hack them and turn them against you pretty easy. Right. I don't know. You're opening a Pandora's box. Yeah. It's always like the, s- the path of, you know, the path to hell was paid with good intentions kind of thing to where we're like, yeah, we're not going to make killer robots around hunt people. We're just going to make a National Guard, the, the front line of robots to defend us. And then next thing you know, some guy with, you know, a Dell laptop hacks this thing and it turns around and runs rampant in your cities and joins the, the ranks of the invading army, so to speak. Yeah. Rob, would you rather have a robot for fucking or a robot for killing? I mean, I don't do a whole lot of either. <laughs> well, and, and so, let's be honest. Even if we had a an army of fighting robots, somebody would engineer them to be fucked later on down the road anyway. So, 
Uh, An officer and a gentleman. It's like that. The, it's like that story that we did, like I don't know, four or five episodes back, where the Russians were training the robot to fly their spaceship to Mars, but they had to train it to do wield pistols because you never know what you're going to run into. Like that made no sense to me. Like you're seriously creating a fucking Terminator, not a co-pilot for a fucking spaceship. I don't know. I would think that if we're going to send it up there, they're going to spend so much money on this pilot bot it'd be a shame to waste it whenever it lands and just gets overthrown by a bunch of freaking aliens <laughs> all right we're landing the we're landing the robot on the planet it looks good get on wait, the spaceship if you wait. want to live <laughs> <laughs> oh no is is that is the earth moving ah sandworm <laughs> see that's what i'm saying like it'd be a beast to land the thing like all right guys we did it great all right step out take a little stroll around town Oh, crap. We just wasted a ton of money, Gary. What happened? Sandworm. Uh, we didn't anticipate this. But, then, I mean, I'm pretty sure the I'm sure the rover would have found it, by, found the giant sandworm by now. Unless it's behind it. I mean, the the moon <laughs> rover right now is or basically like cover a, up. It's like a half-hearted I mean, Johnny Five that can't even look at backwards. Look, that rover can turn to 360 degrees. I'm sure it's looked around itself. Right. And you know what its master feat is so far? It can sing happy birthday to itself. Yeah. Well, it's lonely up there. I mean, some you'd want somebody to sing happy birthday to you up there. So you know what, what they this, should do this, then is train this robot to dual wield pistols. And when it lands on Mars, they can take out that sad, lonely robot. <laughs> That's the whole reason why it's got dual pistols. Did you hear? <laughs> Fuck your sandworm. <laughs> the entire population of Mars is now robots. I, I, and they're out to kill each other. That's a, that's just a perfect thing. We sent another fucking robot to Mars, and it's got guns so it can kill the only other robot. Yep. You sure Americans aren't the ones doing this? Well, you know, stop and think for a second on, on a slightly serious note. When people who get abducted by aliens report that they were um, accosted by greys, they always talk about how the greys are slightly robotic. And then further... Um, interviews and hypnotic regression show that the typical gray alien are kind of drone bots and they're almost made out of like this biomechanical substance so they say they're they're mostly robotic with a little bit of uh, organic material so just what if this is what this is how it starts we send a couple robots to mars they gain some sentience and then we send a couple pilots to mars that are human and all of a sudden the robots start putting on the human skin bada boom bada bing We've got alien greys. I have in my head now, I have the picture of uh, Buffalo Bill putting on makeup, but it's a robot putting on human skin. <laughs> I'd fuck it me. The lotion on its skin or I'd it fuck the me so hard. <laughs> Watch me try to put my robot testicles between my legs. <laughs> it's just a bag of bolts and nuts <laughs> jingling around. Oh. What are you doing in there? Don't look at me, Mom! <laughs> I'm hideous! It puts the lotion on... The <laughs> it rubs the oil on its skin. <laughs> oh, that went way, 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 way left Ooh. field. Yeah. Who sent me this dick pic? <laughs> Whoa. We know who the number one culprit for that would be. <laughs> Mission to Mars. God damn it, Curry! <laughs> Oh, good, good stuff. Well, I suppose we ought to get into the the main part here then, huh? The main topic we want to talk about tonight with the lunar eclipse was the moon landing conspiracy. And if we did or did not actually land on the moon back on Apollo 11. 
And oh, it's Apollo, Apollo, first off. Ampolo. Ampolo. <laughs> Apollo. <laughs> you, you shut your dirty little boy mouth. So uh, we took a poll earlier, and we were all three in belief that we did go to the moon. But maybe... Uh, did we, are you sure we took a, 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 a polo or a, po, a, a pole off? Right. That joke's getting cut out. You've had better. No. <laughs> you've had better with less source uh. material. <laughs> so the poll is pressed, and you think we went, just uh, the, the footage wasn't real? Right. Okay. Right. I, I could see that. I could definitely see that. And we'll get into that in a little bit, but uh, we're going to give you guys some backstory first about the Apollo mission and what kind of made us try to get to the moon and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, I think really to dive into it, we have to first start off with the space race. And we're all pretty familiar with the space race. It was basically the competition between the Soviet Union and the United States to see who could get uh, to space first, initially. And it started basically on August 2nd, 1955, when the Soviet Union responds to the U.S.'s announcement that they were going to be um, sending an artificial satellite into space. And the USSR turns around and they reply, well, uh, we're going to do that too, and then we're going to launch a bigger satellite into space in the near future. And thus we have the space race, or you know the initial space race. The, the Soviet Union beats us, the U.S., on October 4th, 1957, by getting the orbit of Sputnik 1 into, the, uh, into space. And they later also beat us by sending the first human into space, Yuri Garrigan. So we were supposed to be first. We were supposed to be number one. And the fact that the USSR was beating us began to terrify Americans because it creates this sense of mass fear uh, that the Soviets were going to land on the moon first, set up a base, and then basically start bombing the hell out of us with nuclear missiles. So it really caused uh, the space race to peak. And then uh, we stepped up our game a little bit, didn't we? And on July 20th, 1969, the U.S. lands the first human crew on the moon with Apollo 11. The USSR tried but failed manned lunar missions several times, and eventually they canceled them and concentrated on just kind of orbiting Earth with space stations. Now, in April of 1972, there was an agreement and a cooperative Apollo-Soyuz test project, and both the U.S. and the Soviet began to stop waving their dicks in the interstellar space and work together, resulting in the rendezvous of uh, Earth and the U.S., crew with the Soviet cosmonaut crew in July 1975. So basically, the space race kind of fizzles out, and we got to claim fame by sending the first human manned missions to the moon. Right? Right. All right, with that being said, let's talk more about the U.S.'s first trip to the moon. In 1961, U.S. President John F. Kennedy makes the worldwide statement, before this decade is out, we will land a man on the moon and then return him safely back to Earth. And thus, uh, we had several different attempts, Apollos 1 through 10. And finally, with Apollo 11, uh, we send three astronauts to the moon, July 20th, 1969. Um, Since then, there have been six other manned U.S. landings on the moon and numerous unmanned landings. And to date, supposedly, in quotes, we are the only country to successfully send a man to the moon and get them back. But um, what's odd to me is the last time we did this was in December of 1972. So why didn't we go back? Or did we? (laughs) Okay, so let's chat a little bit more about Apollo 11 here and where some of the controversy starts to lie. The primary mission of Apollo 11 uh, consisted of three people. 
Mission Commander Neil Armstrong, Pilot Buzz Aldrin, both American, and also you had Collins, Michael Collins, who was the pilot of the main command module Columbia. And so we've got um, basically two crafts here. We've got Columbia, which is responsible for getting them to the moon. And then we've got the lunar module called the Eagle, which breaks away, which is what actually landed on the moon. Armstrong becomes the first person to step onto the lunar surface six hours after landing on July 21st, around, I think, 3 o'clock in the morning, roughly. And 20 minutes later, you know, famously, Aldrin joins him, and they have their little frolicking tra-la-la across the moon. Um, the broadcast was live on TV for the entire world. Uh, Armstrong steps onto the lunar surface and describes the event as that famous quote, one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind. Um, what's funny What's funny about the landing on the moon is that first, when Eagle touched down, they sat in the module for about two hours and planned their first iconic duty, which would be where they're going to place the uh, flag on the moon. Now, what's even funnier is the preparation required a little longer than two hours as scheduled because Armstrong had some initial problems with his suit and getting out of the actual craft. See, somebody forgot to implement the bigger hatch in the side of the moon module. I'm sorry, the, the lunar module. And so when he put on his life support system, he got stuck in the hatch and couldn't quite get out of the lunar <laughs> landing module into space. So little known fact. Uh, NASA, we got a problem right, here. I'm right. about the fourth way out this hole, and I can't get the rest out. Uh, what do you want me to do, 10-4? Uh, well, I guess we got to cancel this whole thing and bring it all right back. All right, let's just let's hit that button and get y'all back here. Can't believe we forgot about that part. Over and out. <laughs> well, at least we landed there. <laughs> oh man, we got so, a half a footprint on the ground, guys. Go America! Fuck you, Russia. So, also, Buzz Buzz's helmet hit the ground and made a big scrapey scrape. We're gonna—that's <laughs> the only dirt samples we're gonna have. Oh, you silly, silly people. So, yeah, basically around 2.51, he begins his descent onto the lunar surface and jumps off the ladder, places a plaque that says, Here men from the planet Earth first set foot upon the moon, July 1969 A.D. We came in peace for all mankind. And then on the back side of that plaque, if you pick it up and look on the back, it says, Ha ha, fuck you, Russia. <laughs> <laughs> we don't be, talk about that wah, side. Wah. <laughs> wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be great? So what's funny, first of all, when he lands, and this is not part of the conspiracy, but Armstrong jumps out of the lunar craft and says that's one small step for man. But I guess one little weird conspiracy here is that he didn't actually say one small step for man. What he supposedly said is one small step for a man. And one giant leap for mankind. Yep, kind of that's weird. Just the, that's just the Mandela effect kicking in. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> it could very well be. And then, of course, you guys know we saw this thing on TV, right? At least our parents probably did. Um, ours, yeah, I don't... What? Oh, I, I mean, I didn't see it live. I wasn't born. I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that by eight years. But you've seen recordings of it in the past, right? In school oh, yeah. or something. Okay. I'm, well. I'm still not convinced that the, the first person I set on the moon wasn't three raccoons in a suit. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so when Armstrong gets off the craft, he activates a TV camera and he sets his left foot on the surface. And we've all seen the video of him 
And one of the first red flags is if Buzz Aldrin was filmed getting off of the lunar module, who filmed him? A camera. The other guy? No, no, he didn't. Because, see, Aldrin was in the craft and didn't get out for 20 more minutes. So the other guy? Collins, right? Collins was actually in Columbia orbiting the moon, or sorry, orbiting the Earth. So that takes care of all three people. The other guy? See, that's interesting. No, that's funny, because you probably didn't realize this. There is another conspiracy about the moon of a supposed fourth unknown member. Oh, is that the guy that we talked about on the Mandela episode? Oh, it might be. Stay tuned. We'll talk more about that. No, it's not. But, um, yeah, basically what they said happened was uh, somebody did a little bit of research and found out that there was a robotic camera set up and as he got out it was already placed and ready to go so basically that's what happened and um, it was pre-set up for him to be recorded as he got out after he pushed a couple buttons and got everything set up okay so anyway you've got Armstrong and you've got uh, Buzz Aldrin and they're on the moon they famously take a couple moon samples they place the flag on the moon they stroll around for a couple hours, bada-boom, bada-bing. They're there for just shy of one day, snap some amazing pictures, take some amazing videos, and they get ready to head back uh, to Earth, right? They jump inside the lunar module, they rocket themselves back up, they join up with Columbia, and then they splash their uh, way back down to Earth, landing in the Pacific Ocean on July 24th. And that's it, all right? That's what we know. That's what we know of the moon landing. The rest is history. A really dull press conference, and they all turn into drunkards, and <laughs> nobody ever hears from them ever again. Right, pretty much. So, yeah, there's the boring history behind the moon landing. Um, the moon landing, Apollo 11, happens to be one of the most talked about and well-revered conspiracy theories to ever grace the looniest parts of the Internet, various books, magazines, documentaries, and overall coffee talk and water cooler banter. So... What's the, what's the argument here? Did we or did we really not land on the moon? And the first question you'd have to ask is, why in the hell would the U.S. want to fake the moon landing in the first place? Space race. Because yep. we know we couldn't get there, and the Russians were going to get there first, and everybody knows that the Earth is flat, and there's a giant globe that's over the top <laughs> of the Earth, and it keeps us inside, so there ain't no goddamn way you can get a rocket past the God globe, okay? There you go. So, yes, pretty much you're both right. Um, the space race was the biggest reason we wanted to fake the moon landing, potentially. We wanted to be the first nation to land a man on the moon. Landing a man on the moon could be viewed as a natural and technological accomplishment that would springboard whoever did it first into stardom and worldwide acclaim. Um, Going to the moon would be very risky and expensive. We knew this, so maybe we just uh, videotaped the whole entire thing in a film studio and held our breath, hoping that maybe NASA could get away with the biggest hoax of all time. Yep. But what's another reason why we would want to fake the moon? Maybe it's because NASA was losing a lot of momentum with the public and they were beginning to look like a bunch of asses. That's right. It's claimed that NASA faked the moon landings to avoid humiliation and to ensure that it would continue to get funded. They were losing a lot of faith. Uh, a lot of people were turning their backs on them. The government was starting to think that they were a bunch of failures because they were falling behind in their public ratings. And frankly, people just simply began to lose their uh, respect for them. 
And since most conspiracy theorists believe that sending a man to the moon was impossible at that time, they argue that landing um, they argue that the landings had to be faked to fulfill Kennedy's 1961 goal because we were getting so close to the end of the decade, we just basically had to uh, if we couldn't make it, we had to fake it, and they had to get this video out there. So. They actually did incur a lot of public humiliation and potential political opposition uh, previously because of losing so many crew members, um, especially the Apollo 1 fire, which we'll get back to in a little while. So NASA raised about $30 billion to go to the moon. And in 1973, NASA accounted for the actual cost of what they raised and what they spent. And it says they spent about $25.4 billion which left about $4.5 billion to do what with? Make a fake moon movie? I don't know. Make the most expensive and greatest movie of all time. That's right. Um, it's supposedly claimed in a book called The Dark Moon, Apollo and the Whistleblowers that, in fact, uh, we all knew the hazards of sending men to the moon, and NASA would not take a risk of broadcasting an unknown space exploration mission on live TV because they couldn't risk broadcasting an astronaut getting sick, dying, or potentially getting left, uh, left behind on the moon. And apparently President Nixon actually had a speech prepared in case they died. So with a, what we famously know is one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. If they had died, Nixon would have replaced that with, fate has ordained that men who went to the moon to explore in peace will stay on the moon in peace. So I don't know. In pieces. <laughs> right. That speech was replaced with, epic fail. Boom. I would like Go to Go Russia. <laughs> so with all the problems that NASA was having, one man swears that in order for NASA to pull off uh, and pull ahead of the space race, it would have to launch the Saturn V rocket into space, launch three men into orbit, but that's it. They left three men in orbit on the Saturn V rocket, and then after eight days, they then um, broadcasted the faked footage and then show actual footage of them returning back to Earth and being rescued in the Pacific Ocean. So there you go. That's a little bit of – those are two big reasons, the space race and also the fact that NASA was just losing a lot of momentum. Part of the the, the 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 add the fuel to the fire with with this is this is, should be such a monument or monumental event, right? We we landed, we we beat the Russians, and you hold this conference, and they're interviewing these astronauts, and all of them just have their their hands like this against their cheek, and they're like, yeah, yeah, we landed on the moon. Yeah, I mean, these were supposed to be national heroes, right? Everybody was supposed to be excited about this, and then they pulled this press conference. Everybody's like, meh, it happened. And then nobody heard from Neil Armstrong. He was supposed to go out and do all these speeches, but he just kind of hid from the limelight. And for, like, almost 30 years, he wouldn't talk about what actually happened. Um, Buzz Aldrin, you know, he just kind of flipped his lid, and nobody knows what happened to the other two guys. So that kind of fueled this fire is, I mean, if the moon landing really happened, wouldn't these national heroes want to talk about it? Wouldn't they want to, you know, tell Americans how great they were and all that? And yeah. none of that happened. Scream it from it, the freaking rooftops, right? Yeah. Fuck you, Russia. We did it. We went to none space. I wouldn't shut the fuck up the entire time I was home. I was the first man. I was on that fucking moon. <laughs> Didn't happen. They just they fucking just kind of disappear. Like yeah, yeah. We 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 went to the moon. Yeah, right. So you and, talk about and, the press conference. Um, 
give me a second and I'll get to that because I have something interesting to add to that too. Okay. Okay, so I'm... let's get into the actual whole conspiracy here. What are people's arguments that supposedly prove we never went to the moon? First of all, we know part of their mission, uh, like I said before, earlier, they were there to film and take photos of the Earth, of the moon, and of the actual mission itself, right? There we go. Right. So one of the biggest arguments showing that we faked the moon landing are simply the photos. And most of the cameras were fitted with a special plate, clear glass, that had crosshairs etched on them, making sure that any photo they took, they could align the crosshairs properly, thus making it impossible for these crosshairs to appear behind objects, right? Because if you put a plate of glass on the actual lens of the camera with etched on crosshairs, nothing can be behind the crosshairs. It would be impossible for anything photographed to appear in front of the grid. But there's tons of photos of a lot of uh, different scenarios where these crosshairs are put behind things. There's photos of the flag where the white stripes cover some of the crosshairs. There's a couple pieces of the actual uh, lunar landing module where it covers a crosshair. There's different pictures of the astronauts covering some of the crosshairs. And it would be basically just impossible for anything to be in front of the crosshair because it was etched into the actual uh, cover on the lens. So, I mean, how do you fix that? How do you, how do you fake that? I think it'd just about be impossible. Right. That is weird. I don't think I've ever heard this part of it. Really? Uh, it's, it's fucking fascinating to me. You can go online and you can look up different photos. and That's what I'm doing right now. Okay, yeah, do it. Check it out. Because it's, I don't know, it's just very compelling to me based on that alone. I mean, I, I use Photoshop fairly uh, yep. regularly. We, Preston, you and I took photography. You, take, you do yep. photography more than I do. And some of those landmarks in You know photos, who else takes photography? Millennials, <laughs> but yeah, I On mean, it's, it's damn near impossible to do that unless you're photoshopping something. And back then, you had your exacto knife and you're cutting and pasting meticulously, trying to fake these photos. Listen, I ain't no scientist, but in them moon photos, there ain't no stars in the background. And everybody knows that when you're on the moon, you should be able to see stars in the background. And there ain't no stars. So that Mm -hmm. automatically means that it's been faked. Right. There you go. And that's funny. That's the next point I was going to bring up is the stars. You and I would probably think if you're in space and you've got photos on the moon with space. With no atmosphere. a space behind you, no atmosphere, no clouds, no nothing. You nothing should have some stars somewhere, right? Yep. There ought to be a star somewhere in one of your photos that you took. And there are simply no stars in any of the photos the Apollo 11 astronauts claim to have taken um, or showed during their post-mission press conferences. And you talked about the uh, press conference earlier. Um, when they arrived home, shortly after, there was a press conference, and all three crew members were there, Aldrin, Collins, and Armstrong. And a guy named Patrick Moore, look him up if you want to, he's a kind of a prevalent name, you may have heard of him, asks Neil Armstrong at a certain point, when you were up there, what was it like to see the stars? What did they look like? And Armstrong just replies back, uh, I don't recall the stars. Stars? Uh, I don't know there were any stars that we could see. But the way he reportedly says this is very kind of like unsure, like he wasn't prepped for that kind of question and didn't quite know how to answer it. So he kind of shifts around in his chair and he's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't recall uh, 
that there were any stars we could see uh, during that time. And then Collins and Aldrin kind of looking at each other sheepishly, uh, a bit panicked, a bit... Uh, they're smiling, and then Collins kind of chimes in, yeah, uh, I don't remember seeing any stars either, but reportedly the look on Armstrong's face was, uh, face was, oh shit, I, uh, I guess there would have been stars up there, I should have thought about that. Crap. So yeah, even, even Coldplay knew that, that's why they wrote that really crappy song, Sky Full Stars, boom. <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, they're talking about naked eye sightings while they're up there in space, how beautiful it was, yet nobody thought once to talk about the stars. I don't know. And the argument to that... Well, is, here's... Yeah, the argument to that is, though, because the moon is so reflective, mm-hmm. it would bl- when you took photos of it, those that so much light saturation would actually take the stars out of the sky. Right. You're exactly right. That's a, that's the very good argument against that. Um, for su- supposedly, all the manned lunar missions happen during the lunar daytime. Thus, the stars would be outshined by the sun, and the sunlight's reflecting off of the moon's surface. Um, the astronaut's eye supposedly would be well adapted to the sunlit landscape around them, so they would not see relatively faint stars. Likewise, the cameras they're using, Carl Zeiss lenses, um, you know, pretty much high technology for those days, um, they would have such an increased shutter speed that the foreground light shouldn't wash out the image, ergo the stars would basically be um, a backlighting, so they'd get cut out, and we would just have a nice, rich, black background. And that also probably would explain, um, I know a lot of conspiracy theorists were talking about how like the shadows seemed off, because it didn't seem like natural shadows to where the sun would be, right. and that uh, they were like, it was in a studio, because see, if you had the studio light over here, that explains, you know, why that shadow. But if it's being oversaturated by the reflectivity of the the rocks, that could throw off the shadows as well. Mm-hmm. You're if right. If you want to be a debunker. I mean, and that's good. That's what we're here for. We're not trying to really, we're not trying to come out and be like, guys, guess what? Pixelated Paranormal is pretty sure we're going to land on the moon, you <laughs> bunch of crazy wackos. <laughs> Uh, no, we're just trying to bring the facts. But, yeah, that's a great argument, and that was my next point. The shadows in a lot of the photos were just off. You could have a picture of, you know, an astronaut standing there, um, I don't know, picking up a box or taking a sample, and his shadow could be casted straight horizontally behind him, but then the shadow of the rocks would be casted about 45 degrees uh, in a different direction, which means you would typically have two points of light shining on your... Uh, your movie set or your your props or what have you. So um, that's a pretty interesting deal. And I thought, okay, yeah, you guys are all right. If you were to be in space, you'd have light reflecting off the moon surface, um, off of the astronauts themselves, the metallic uh, surfaces of the module, all that kind of stuff. But what's weird is if you look at some of the famous photos of Aldrin and Armstrong, I guess it'd be Armstrong climbing down the ladder of the actual module, the shadow pretty much just envelops the entire ground area at the bottom of the ladder and pretty much just, you know, covers that whole area because of how dark it would be up there. But what's odd is the astronaut suit itself was just stark white. Just, I mean, look at the picture online sometime. It's just vibrant and bright as hell. And typically, you should have the entire shadow be casted over the astronaut as well, so he'd be real grainy and fuzzy, which means he had a spotlight on him, potentially. You had a very bright light coming, you know, shining on one side of the module, and then a spotlight shining on the front of the astronaut because he's posing for a photo. 
So that's one thing that I saw on the actual documentary I watched that really made me think, holy shit, there might be a tiny little bit to this. I'm not saying even that that was faked for the Mars mission, or the Mars mission, the moon mission, but maybe maybe we just fudged a couple extra photos when they got back because they're like, what the fuck, guys? These photos are fucking terrible. Like, yeah, yeah you but you got to also think there would probably be some kind of light on the module itself when it, as it landed. Right, and there could be. We don't know. An argument to that, though, is that any kind of light you'd have mounted on the outside of the module should have been eaten up um, by the radiation as they were leaving the Earth's atmosphere. The huge radiation belt up there. And then the fact that you're using actual film photography and not digital photography. Mm -hmm. So film photography works off, you know, how light's reflecting off an object. So it burns it into the actual film. So if you're on a place where you have over light saturation where Mm -hmm. the actual sunlight's saturating off of the, the rocks and making everything brighter... Technically, you shouldn't be able to get good photos off of that anyways because most of your negatives would be oversaturated, be overburned because of the, the amount of light floating around there. Right, pretty much. Um, another compelling idea would be that if you look at a lot of photos, there's a very similar background in a lot of the different photos that were um, supposedly staged or at least taken. In fact, people argue that these same backgrounds were used in multiple photos. And I thought, okay... The moon can't be completely, you know, aspherical all the way around. You're not going to have, you know, a different background in every area. It's pretty flat, so maybe some of the backgrounds are going to look pretty similar. No, I took a couple photos. I I took a couple photos online, put them side by side, did the old magic eye trick where you cross your eyes and the two photos kind of merge. And by God, it's the same fucking background on multiple different pictures. And one photo is taken, you know, at one timestamp. And then the next photo is taken in a different timestamp, same background, but different craters, different rocks, different whatever were in the foreground. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Maybe it was the big giant painted landscape. Who knows? Who knows? Um, Then, of course, you have the supposed smoking gun of the letter C being stamped on a couple of rocks, maybe marking those for different... um, different pieces that were used to stage the photos. Maybe there were some props that were being used. Have you guys seen those famous photos? I have. Right. And um, it's weird. They say that the letter C um, on objects is most likely is a printing imperfection that didn't appear on the original film, but maybe it was like a beard hair or an eyelash or something that fell off of somebody uh, as they were developing the photos. Um, and actually, a lot of people say the letter C stands for coiled hair. And I don't know. If you look at the picture, it's just a very thin letter C. It's almost too symmetrical to be, you know, a hair. But, I mean, whatever. That's not for me to decide. It is pretty interesting that it pops up on a couple of different rocks uh, throughout the analysis here. So, Do you have something to say, Rob? No. Okay, cool. Um, something else that I thought was kind of interesting but I couldn't find a whole lot of credence about. Supposedly, there was a Coca-Cola bottle that was seen in one of the uh, the clips. Yeah, super bizarre. A resident of Perth in Western Australia, a woman named Una or Una Ronald, um, said that for two or three seconds she saw a Coca-Cola bottle roll across the lower right quadrant of her television screen that was displaying the live broadcast of the landing of Apollo 11. She said that several letters appeared in the Western Australia uh, magazine discussing Coca-Cola bottle incidents within 10 days of the lunar landing. 
Um, supposedly, the argument is that no such newspaper reports or recordings have ever been found. Um, they don't have any. If, if it was recorded and it was live streamed, there'd be recordings, and supposedly nobody's ever gone back and been able to find a Coca Cola bottle. So I don't know. <laughs> I think that, called bunk. Yeah, I do too, and I wanted that one to be real because how great would that be? It's like, guys, we're gonna pull it off. It looks so great. I think we're gonna do it, and some dingleberry just kicks over a fucking Coca Cola bottle, clink, 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 and rolls across the damn set. God damn it, Gary! We told you. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, those are some pretty compelling facts there. You've got lights of the photos that don't quite add up right, but maybe they do because we're on the moon and there's a lot of different surfaces reflecting some lights. The flag might be the biggest smoking gun of all, right? We've all seen those photos of, you know, they put the flag in and they're kind of like sticking it in the ground or the holder and the whole thing's waving. And then as he walks away from the flag, it's still kind of fluttering in the wind, so to speak. What do you guys but think about that? But there's no wind on the moon. There's no atmosphere. How can it be fluttering in the wind? Exactly. Because they attached string to it and made it flap. <laughs> Could have been. That's two of the best arguments. Number one, they say it's strange that as he walked away, the flag began to wave. And somebody argues, well, it was probably the air conditioner kicking on inside the movie set. But then, Rob, <laughs> you bring up something that I think is interesting, and it's one pro-argument saying they were on the moon. Somebody suggested, well, if the flag's just sitting there stagnant and kind of boring, it's not really the beautiful, like, you know, raging America, you know, symbol that we wanted. It's just a boring old flag standing there. So maybe they rigged it a little bit to kind of wibble, wibble, wiggle or waft, you know, to kind of give it that classic, you know, United States flag waving in the wind kind of look. But uh, um, I think that that one used to be one of the best arguments, but I think now it's probably maybe one of the easiest to debunk. Because first of all, if you put a flag anywhere without any gravity, it's just going to take whatever shape um, the force has acted upon it. So if you shove it in there, it's just going to be a a limp flag hanging there. No one can see it, right? So Mm -hmm. the biggest argument is they probably staged some wires inside the flag so that when they carried it out, it would actually be erect and stretched out. (laughs) (laughs) You millennials. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I wasn't laughing at that. That was all rough. Uh, they rigged the flag so that it would basically stand out uh, at attention whenever they would hang it up. Or, <laughs> you guys are fucking children. Well, I hope you're not because that would be really bad and you guys would damper my plans for this podcast. My flag pulls at attention. <laughs> oh, gross. But, yeah, basically um, the flag had some, you know, structural. Rigidity. <laughs> a fucking idiot. That was not making it either. Um, no, it is. I'll keep it. Um, no, the argument is that basically they had put some kind of structure on the flag so that it would wave uh, or look like at least uh, waving in the sky. And then somebody else said that if it was uh, mounted on some kind of rigging, if you put something in space and you do act upon it with some kind of force, whatever you're acting upon will continue to kind of carry that out as an echo. So if he's trying to put this flagpole into the moon... And he gets into the holder, and he's kind of rocking it back and forth and rotating it back and forth and lets go of it. You're still going to have some wiggling, and you're still going to kind of have that reverberation go up through the flag and kind of, you know. So, yeah, I don't know. Supposedly, Mythbusters kind of busted that one, too, saying that, no, it's it makes total sense. If there's some kind of rigging on there, then, yeah, you'd get that kind of fake flag waving. Did they do it in, a, like, a anti-gravity thing? 
to simulate the gravity of the moon or if they just did it in some place on earth duh <laughs> so what you're basically saying is that the government hired mythbusters yeah and you're claiming that their busting is busted yeah <laughs> that's a good question that's a really good question so um i don't know i think those are all decent arguments and they're all fun to kind of look at, especially some of the photography. But one of the best conspiracies of all time is that, guys, what if we're not actually arguing about the Apollo 11 moon landing, but instead we're making a giant fuss and giant arguments instead about the greatest movie ever made? Well, I know we're going to be talking about Shining, but... Uh huh. But that's not the greatest movie ever made. In fact, it's a pretty shitty movie. 2001, A Space Odyssey. (laughs) That one's going to come into fruition as well. Rob, what is the greatest movie ever made? It is not The Shining. Right. The Dark Tower. (laughs) Don't get me started. I was going to say, don't feed into that bullshit, Rob. No, I'm I'm not saying The Shining is the greatest movie ever made. I'm saying... Potentially, the faked moon landing is the greatest oh. movie ever made. <laughs> okay, so in a movie called Capricorn One, the film shows how the government—and this is this is a, you know an actual Hollywood movie—under uh, the same pretense as what we're getting into. In a movie called Capricorn One, the film shows how the government fakes a landing on Mars, and many people say the footage and set pieces used in this movie look eerily similar to some of the set pieces they used in the potential fake uh, hoax moon landing. So the producer of the film, Paul Lazarus, says that even he believes the government could indeed take footage and fake it if they wanted to to boost morale. Because he said if we made a good enough set for our movie, you could easily make a better set with a better budget and fake the whole entire damn thing. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So, enter Stanley Kubrick. In an article from Time Magazine, it said that The Smoking Gun, film of Aldrin planting a waving flag on the moon, which critics say proves that he is not in space. The flag's movement, they say, clearly shows the presence of wind. It is impossible to create in a vacuum. NASA says Aldrin twisting the flagpole to get the moon in the soil uh, caused the flag to move. And never mind that astronauts have brought back hundreds of independently verified moon rocks. Theorists have even suggested that filmmaker Stanley Kubrick may have also helped NASA fake the first lunar landing. Given that in his 1968 movie, 2001, A Space Odyssey, it proves that the technology existed back then to artificially create a space-like craft and set. So, um, in interview footage, a bearded by... (laughs) I almost said bipedal. <laughs> In the interview footage, a bearded, bespeckled Kubrick outlines that he was approached by the U.S. government and asked to make a film. I perpetrated a huge fraud in the American public, which I am now about to detail, involving the U.S. and the. involving the United States government and NASA and the moon landing. It was all faked. And the moon landings all were faked. And that I was the person who filmed it. He then goes on to state that he perpetuated the hoax after being bribed and that he considers the moon landing 
footage his masterpiece. He also explains that he was asked to make a hoax video after officials noticed his impressive visual effects in 2001 Space Odyssey. It was a very ambitious movie. That's not to say that faking the moon landing was not <laughs> ambitious either. But I learned things from making 2001, and that's why I got the gig in the first place. And yeah, Rob, like you said a second ago, we can talk about The Shining a little bit. Supposedly, The Shining contains Kubrick's coded apology. Um, first of all, guys, what did they drink in outer space? Um, Coca-Cola? <laughs> Orange juice? I, You're close. I don't know. Tang. Tang, that's they right. They drank Tang. Well, folks, in The Shining... There's piles of tang everywhere. The powdered fruit drink is used in space flights, and it's moved in The Shining. Boom, bang, bop. Kubrick faked the moon landing. Tang. It's a kick in the glass. The room in the hotel that he's not allowed to go to is room number 237, which, according to Wiedner, some classic analyst, is another clue because the soundstage where Kubrick filmed the moon landing was also number 237. There's a scene in the movie where the room key to 237 is shown. The significance of the key, which says room number 237, is that it has the capital letters to spell out moon. The O-O-M and the N are all capitalized. The R and the O are not. It spells out moon, people. Not moon, people, but people, it spells out moon. <laughs> it spells it's out moon, moon people. people. <laughs> Room 237 is a reference to the distance between Earth and the moon, 237,000 miles. When Jack types all work and no play, the first words look like A11 for Apollo 11. The twins seen in the movie at that iconic scene at the end of the hallway as the little boy is riding his uh, big wheel represent NASA's Gemini space program. <laughs> And finally, These are Jack's all terrible because this is all shit that happens in the book too. Okay, I mean it's room two thirty seven and, and and shit like that. I mean it's right. <laughs> so this is dope. maybe Stephen King was in on it too, Rob. Maybe <laughs> when Jack rants at Wendy uh, when she wants to leave, uh, this represents Kubrick's arguing with his own wife about his deception. Does it matter to you at all that the owners have placed their complete confidence and trust in me, and that I have signed the contract in which I have accepted the responsibility? Yeah, supposedly people think that's a real argument that he had with his wife. Hmm. <laughs> And the fact that the movie differs from the Stephen King book almost entirely is because Kubrick had this as a secret way of telling the world that he faked the moon landing for the U.S. government. So there you go. Um, I don't know. That all seems like it's just, I don't know, too easily cherry-picked for me. Right. And also, yeah. you have to think the amount of people that you would have to bribe and silence if you did make a fake moon movie, because you'd have to have like all the different cameramen, the you know the what they call like the grip boys, and all these you know different people. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fucking people you'd have to shut the fuck up about this. And then Stanley Kubrick, I mean, he's not even fucking American. Like, how much did they have to pay him to keep silent? Well, he's dead now, so. Because he tried to bring out the moon landing yeah. hoax. People, don't let people get... No, no, no! It's going to come out! <laughs> well, to answer... You sure. talked about the moon landing, and you did eyes wide shut. We're going to kill you now. <laughs> <laughs> and and then, we're gonna take, then we're going to take eyes wide shut, and we're going to change it all the way around so it doesn't give away all of our secrets. Because oh. that's literally the, that's the other conspiracy that goes around about that. Oh, really? 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, in short, to answer you, Preston, how much money would it cost to shut everybody up? If you remember the budget, they raised $30 billion, but they then turned around in the late 70s and said they only spent $24.5 billion. I think $5.5 billion could shut up a lot of people. Or it could go to a lot of coke and hookers. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Which in turn could shut up a lot of people. I'm going to make my own moon movie. Okay, so... Hookers and Blackjack. The the best argument I can find about Kubrick and 2001 Space Odyssey and the moon landing uh, hoax would be this. We, uh, have you seen it, Rob? Have you seen 2001? Uh, yeah, but it's been years. Right, so we've all seen it. I watched it for the first time last summer, I think, actually. I'm ashamed to say that. He did a pretty damn it's pretty good job. boring. What? I think it's pretty boring. I I liked it. I drank some coffee beforehand, had a light lunch, and just tuckered myself in. And <laughs> boom. <laughs> it's sad to say I planned my day around watching that movie. <laughs> so, okay, we've seen it, and you've seen how uh, amazing his sets are and his ship and when he recreates a lot of those set pieces and the props he uses. Um, it looked like space for all intents and purposes, man. The guy won critical acclaim for how great it looked and how much it looked like they were actually in space, right? So it's argued he used some of those set pieces and more to fake the moon landing. The weirdest fact of all that I could find here is that he admittedly burned the set after filming 2001 Space Odyssey. Basically, he says... Oh, that was weird. He says to basically hide the FX and the props and the technology he was using. But people argue it was to hide the fact that he used those set pieces and more to fake the moon landing. Hmm. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, I Coincidence? I think not. So, um, Do you have more to... And there's also a documentary called Room 237. Yeah, it's supposed to be on Netflix, but I didn't watch it. I should watch it, but I've heard a lot of people talk about it, and it seems like another one of those documentaries that's kind of one-sided. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I steer clear of those. I like to watch the ones that are kind of open. At least give you uh, a couple chances to make up your own mind for yourself. But yeah, it's on Netflix, Room 237. Hmm. Might be worth checking out. But um, Do you have more to add to the Apollo 11 stuff, Preston? Well, the only thing that I would add would be that um, supposedly, you know, like in air, you know, airplanes now, we have like what they call like the black box or something crashes. Yeah. And we have record of what happened. So supposedly they had those um, in the Apollo 11 mission. And uh, there were these flybys where they were actually going around the moon looking at the landing signs. And you hear Buzz Aldrin be like, uh, Eagle Eye, Eagle Eye, this is uh, Raven 5, and uh, Santa Claus is coming around the corner. Santa Claus around the corner. And then it's like, cuts out. It's all staticky. And he's like, holy shit, those are big. Yeah. And then it like cuts out. And so the, and then, um, he had also in a, um, in a documentary on, uh, I think you can see it on uh, sci fi channel and it's on Netflix now. And, uh, he said, you know, how could we tell NASA? How could we tell them? Like, uh, uh NASA, uh, there's a, a bright light following us. Uh, what do you want us to do? He's like, you, you can't tell people on national television that there's these bright fucking lights that are following you around. So he's like, we didn't know what to do. So I thought that that was kind of odd. Like later on in his life, his whole stance on, uh, aliens and like moon and things like that had actually changed. 
because in the 60s and 70s, he was always like upfront about it. Like, you guys are full of shit. You guys are crazy. Get out of my face. You know, if we were, you know, if there was aliens, don't you think NASA would tell us? And then all of a sudden he's like 70, 80. And he's like, yeah, there was aliens. They followed us around. We heard voices. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. There's reports that he said when they got up there initially, there's two minutes of the audio that got cut and never broadcasted first. And then at two minutes, it talks about like these mega structures that were up there and, you know, basically like, uh, holy crap, Houston, um, the structures are big. They're huge. And uh, they they are aware we're here. They they were waiting for us. And I never found a whole lot of real truth to that. That's just kind of one of the other conspiracies there. But mm-hmm. I, I, that to me is kind of interesting. And, of course, there's the whole dark side of the moon theory and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, something that I thought was kind of cool, and I mentioned Apollo 1 earlier, is the fact that NASA is under fire. Ooh, bad pun. You'll see why. Um, for possibly murdering three astronauts to hide the fact that they did indeed fake the moon landing. Have you ever heard of uh, the three astronauts that got burned alive in Apollo 1? I did hear about that, yeah. It, I, I didn't hear about it until last night, and it's in, freaking insane. Um, the story is going to be about Gus Grissom who was supposed to be originally the first man who would get to walk on the moon. And he was a part of the Mercury 7 mission that we talked about. We always talked about Mercury. Well, we always we talked about Mercury 7 before Preston and I did, I think. And he goes up for this mission and he's supposed to be like a man's man, a real G.I. Joe sort of astronaut, you know, and he's in the public eye and everybody loves him. Everything's great. And whenever you land back on Earth in the water, you're supposed to try to salvage the craft that you were in. In this case, uh, the Liberty Bell. And he crashes down to Earth in the ocean and there's supposed to be like a latch or something like that inside of his module. And you're supposed to sit in your craft until the helicopter makes a flyby. They lower down the ladder and then you would pull the hatch. It would kick the door off and you would latch like a hook onto your craft, grab the ladder, and they would basically save you and tow away um, your spacecraft that was in the water. <clears throat> well, supposedly on July 21st, 1961, toward the end of his um, – his mission, something went wrong and he reportedly blew the door too early, causing the craft to flood, sink to the bottom of the ocean, and he almost drowned. Um, But what's really weird is it says here, when he lands in the water amid the jolt, Grisham was ready to press ahead with the final stage of his mission. I felt like I was in good condition at this point and started to prepare myself for uh, for egress. Before firing the hatch, Griston was supposed to wait for the rescue helicopter to fly by, but for some unknown reason, he reports, the door kicked off on its own, <clears throat> which didn't give him enough time to prepare, uh, to prepare his suit because the oxygen inside the suit should have allowed him to float better. Basically, he, uh, he didn't wait for the helicopter to come by. He popped the door open, jumped out, and tried to save himself. And so because he cost the government so much money, they took this G.I. Joe astronaut, man's man, and turned him into like basically the biggest walking joke uh, that NASA had ever had. And NASA basically throws him in the limelight of being a coward and causing him to lose a bunch of money because the craft went down. And the argument is somebody messed up and didn't build the thing right and it sank. But instead of getting more and more bad press, they decided to blame it on one guy. So people argue back and forth, and the guy is seen as a hero. Then he's seen as a complete, you know, <clears throat> wuss in the public eye. 
And then some uh, experts come back and say, all right, guys, look, we've got video here that shows him jump out of the actual capsule and then swim back and try to hook up the hook, hook up the hatch and the latch and all that kind of stuff. And in the end, he almost drowned trying to save the Liberty Bell, and the pilot had to make a call, basically save Grissom or save the craft. And so, of course, Grissom won. So he kind of gets back some of his uh, reputation, but from that point on, he's kind of disenchanted. Every time something comes up, he gets passed over. He's supposed to be the first man on the moon, and there's kind of arguments about, oh, pardon me, well, maybe not. Maybe we're not going to make him the first man on the moon after all. So you fast forward to some more public press hearings, and you can see Grissom in some photos and videos walking by spacecrafts that are supposed to be ready to go to space, but instead, like, they're not even able to really pass tests. And he reportedly actually took a lemon out of his pocket and hung it on one of the crafts for the Apollo 1, uh, basically announcing to the public that it's not ready to go and it's a giant lemon. So... NASA apparently began to get really, really uh, fed up with him. So um, they basically get Apollo 1 ready to go. Uh, the design is passed, and they're going to do like a test run for this uh, low Earth orbit capsule. And they get him into the cabin. They lock everything up. They go into rehearsal mode. And then the cabin is filled up with nothing but pure oxygen. And a fire breaks out and basically burns all three of them alive. And what NASA reportedly says is it was a total accident. And what Grissom's family say is that no, because he was so fed up with NASA and so upset by the fact that he was passed over to be the first man to walk on the moon, he was getting ready to um, basically go public and tell the entire world that they planned to fake all the moon landing uh, footage and that they weren't even nearly ready to go into space. And instead, they uh, burned him alive. Assholes. Yeah. Fucking crazy. So I wanted to come back post-edit of this episode and add in a couple more facts that I came across while I was doing research of the Apollo 1 fire and the death of Grisham. And I wanted to add this little tidbit here as a bit of an epilogue. So apparently after the Apollo 1 fire, or disaster, whichever you want to call it, apparently there was an investigation and some congressional hearings um, into the incident and NASA both. And during the hearings, um, one launch inspector named Thomas Barron reportedly sharply criticizes NASA of the handling of the incident, the lack of investigation, and basically the overall just kind of lackadaisic attitude they had towards the uh, incident. And he testified that the astronauts actually had attempted to escape the capsule earlier than they had officially claimed, and he had proof to back this up. Now, shortly after this congressional hearing, apparently Thomas Barron was killed. About a week after the hearings, he and his wife both died in a car crash. And shortly after that, the reports and evidence subsequently vanished and just adds to the, uh, the deepening of this rabbit hole. So apparently Grisham wasn't the only person that may have died from this whole uh, debacle. Uh, it's rumored to believe that Thomas Barron may have also been murdered because he had a lot of damning evidence that could prove his theory that they indeed murdered the astronauts. All right, well, let's get into the Rick and Morty side of this shit, okay? <laughs> so, first of all, let's talk about things that we shouldn't find on a, uh uninhabited place, you know, the, like a barren wasteland. And nobody thinks of the moon as paradise, right? It's just a big pile of rock, okay? So one thing that 
NASA on uh, their website, um, you know, if you look up information on the moon, you will find that there are actual processed metals like brass and mica found in abundance on the moon. Okay? How did processed metals get on the fucking moon if nobody's up there? That's a question to hold in the back of your mind. Now, here's some other processed metals. Uranium-236, which is a byproduct of nuclear waste, and Neptunium-237, which is also a byproduct of nuclear reaction and plutonium production. Okay? And also, there's more titanium on the moon than we have here on Earth. Now, I'd like to point out that there are tons of photos floating on the Internet right now and books written by authors like Mike Barra and Richard Hoagland, who we you know, talked about the, the guy that did the, the book on the, you know, the Sidonian and the face on Mars and all that bullshit, that really crazy guy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who show objects like a nuclear reactor, industrial smokestacks, a cannon, a radar dish, towers, you name it. There's all these fucking photos flying around of, like, structures on the moon. So if we have nuclear byproduct metals that NASA states that they found, why is it so inconceivable to think that those actual photos that look like smokestacks or nuclear reactors are actual nuclear reactors instead of pareidolia? Hmm. Hmm. Now, earlier this year, Moon Express announced plans to mine helium-3 and large amounts of titanium found on the moon. By no later than 2020. So we're actually going to start sending people up there. We're actually going to have like this little, little robotic mine. But the odd thing about that that made the conspiracy theorist flags go up was the fact that they wanted to start the mine production around the south pole of the moon, which is a spot that NASA and no other, you know, like the ESA or the, the Chinese, nobody's ever actually explored the south pole. So why would this out of nowhere come to be like, yeah, guess what, guys? We're going to go to the moon and my titanium. And we're going to land on the South Pole. Like, there's, you know, there, there's no, there's no information there why they should have done that. Like, why pick that spot? And so everybody's like, what, what insider information do they have? So there's another conspiracy going on that uh, maybe that NASA or somebody else does know what's up there, and that uh, that's why this uh, privately owned company that's going up there to mine knows the good spots to go to. Now, if we continue down this rabbit hole of conspiracy theories, we find ourselves that the moon is hollow. Have you guys heard about that? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So let's explore that for a second. NASA and other scientific studies have been able to answer one important question. Why the mass of the moon is off to its size. So if you do all these mathematical equations based off the moon's size, it should have more mass, but it doesn't. And when they were doing early seismic studies on Apollo 10, they uh, you know shot a rover into uh, the uh, you know a landing site or whatever into the ground, and it hit so hard that it caused the moon to ring like a bell for over three and a half hours. So that led all the conspiracy theorists to believe that, well, the moon is hollow, like somebody's actually hollowed it out, and they turned it into a giant Death Star. So it's got like a you know inner titanium shell, and then you know somebody built a bunch of rocks and shit on top of it, and there's all these aliens living inside there. NASA says no, it's just because you know the core is dead, and so because there you know it doesn't have an active core, then when you slam something into it, you know that's like a nuclear explosion that is going to cause that that sound to vibrate from one side of the the planet to the other side of the planet. 
I don't know. I like the idea of you know an alien grade nuclear Death Star base on you know being the moon. So I'm going to go with the conspiracy theorist on that one. So. Dun, dun, dun. So the moon was made uh, possibly as a spaceship, and do we have anything to back that up? Okay, so let's look at some ratios here. The moon is four hundred times smaller than the sun, and it's one in four hundred the distance from the sun to the earth. So we have this ratio or this number four hundred. Okay, and because of the fact that it's 400 times smaller in that four, one and 400 distance, this is the only satellite body in the whole entire fucking solar system that actually causes a perfect solar eclipse that we just experienced today, okay? You can go to fucking Mars, you can go to Uranus, you can go to wherever other fucking planet in the solar system, and none of their satellite bodies will ever cause a solar eclipse that ours does, and that's because of that, you know, 400 times ratio, one-fourth distance, whatever all that mathematical bullshit is, okay? Mm-hmm. So that's, so how does that happen? Is that just coincidence? Somewhere Steven is saying, I don't even math, bro. I don't even math, bro. I don't need a math, Okay. <laughs> Let's math some more here, okay? If you take the distance from the moon to the sun, whatever fucking number that is, that's a big fucking number, and you divide that by the diameter of the moon, you'll come up with a number that's 108, okay? And if you do the same thing with the distance from the sun to the earth and then divide that number by the diameter of the earth, you get 108, which ends up being this important number to all these ancient cultures so if you like go over to cambodia they had the tell of the 108 temples and they you know they had this historical site that's you know 108 towers and then if you know some people said that uh, if you look at stonehenge there's like 108 fucking stones or, or whatever it is so there's this weird mathematical correlation with the moon already and the reason why is because it was artificially built now Ancient legends also talk, if we go look at the the Hebrews to the Hindus, they talk about the time before the moon. So they talk about the time when the moon didn't exist, and then all of a sudden, boop, you have a moon. It's there. Like somebody pulled it into a particular orbit that allowed all these mathematical ratios to happen. And some scientists even say that the moon acts like the perfect incubator for life. So let's say that, uh, like all the ancient aliens people, like, I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens wonder if they're right. wonder if somebody seeded us, seeded human life on this planet, and they're like, well, fuck, we got to make it grow. So they built the moon in this perfect ratio and shoved it right where it's at so that life would sprout on Earth. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Well, in an episode of, what, last week, I think, on Mysterious Mirrors. They talked about uh, this uh, this guy that was getting psychic readings from uh, Bigfoot. I think, you know, like a Bigfoot elder named Camus or whatever. I don't remember the name. But according to the Bigfoot elder, that uh, these Star Lords that uh, they were floating around while the universe Come was being on, created. Star Lords. All right. These cosmic beings. They were floating around in the ether, and they're like, dude, once the Earth cooled off, like, this is a happening fucking spot. So then they were watching, like, you know, little life forms happen, and they said, man, ants, those are persistent motherfuckers. These are the, this is the predominant life right now. So what we're going to do, we're going to make ant people. And so they made ant people. And then, you know, things didn't work out, and there's, like, this whole big tale of all these fucking wars happening. So the ant people got pissed off. They went up to the moon, and they hollowed it out. 
They make little underground caverns and whatnot, and they lived there for millions of years. And then they pissed off the Martians, and then there's like a big nuclear war and explosions, and they blew up the moon, and they felt so fucking horrible that the moon exploded, and it was all their fault that they built us a new one, and that would explain why there's all these processed metals and there's like this weird outer titanium <laughs> shell. This is all explained by motherfucking ant people. Huh. There you go. Well, that would explain why we're having so many uh, eclipses and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they can't quite yeah. seem to get it right. And if you think that all that's crazy, YouTube, David Icke, and he'll even talk God. about how the moon is an alien base for greys and it's like a death star that they're ordered up so that they can watch us like our masters huh yeah well I'll be damn <laughs> yeah oh good stuff well I've got one more parting fact for you guys about the moon in the Apollo 11 mission everybody knows that Neil Armstrong was the first man to walk on the moon but Buzz Aldrin was the first person to piss on it Hell yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so upon stepping on the moon, Aldrin promptly empties his bladder into his spacesuit's internal uh, urine collector. But unfortunately, um, he didn't take into consideration how high he was expected to leap off of the eagle. And so as he landed on the moon, his urine collector broke upon sticking the landing. And as a result, his boot filled up with piss. And he was fully aware he's on a live radio, so he kept that bit to himself and never publicly said it. But yeah, while they're sitting there talking about you know how great the moon is and everything else, he was just uh, standing there with a fucking boot full of piss. Anybody else got anything else to add? Mm-hmm. Nope. Oh, there was a uh, was it Apollo fourteen, Apollo fifteen. With the astronaut like Paul Allen, um, he when they got back, I think we talked about this on the show before. That uh, when the minute that they landed, um, because of everything that had happened, like with Apollo thirteen and before, that uh, they put all the astronauts under hypnosis to help with like PTSD. Uh-huh. And like years later, all of a sudden, this guy turns into fucking like Vincent Van Gogh, and he's painting all these weird pictures of himself in an astronaut costume, like on the moon. Yeah, and uh, they're like, Paul, why are you using all these weird colors like that? Because you know the moon should just be like drab gray, and like he always would get this weird stare on his, like this look on his face, and like kind of look up and be like, oh, and then can never really give a good answer. So some people theorize that uh, there's all these glass domes and glass structures on the moon, and that reflects light. So like when people are seeing like those weird incandescent light flashes on the moon, yeah, sunlight bouncing off of the uh, off the glass, and that's what Paul was painting in his self-astronaut portraits. Weird. And he also left the camera. He uh, he was taking photos on the last manned mission to the moon and snapped all these wonderful photos, but mysteriously left it in the middle of the fucking moon. So, <laughs> really? whoops a daisy Really? I yeah. never heard that. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, I took like 50 photos, guys. Where are they at? Oh, man, they're back on the moon. (laughs) (laughs) That's nice. Well, I say with all that, we plug shit and get out of here. Plug shit, and we talk about our 12th review that we got. Oh, yeah, we did get a good review, didn't we? We got a good review. Cool. Knock it out. 
Well, this was submitted by John and Nina, and it's titled Not Your Average Paranormal Podcast. This podcast is a lot of fun. There are plenty of shows out there that share the same old spooky stories or interview the usual cast of authors looking to sell a book. That's not what this show is. The crew hunts for the weird, strange, and crazy stories from the fringe and presents and discusses it in a very entertaining way. Whether it's out-of-control robots on the verge of AI singularity, fresh takes on an old legend, or a dimension-hopping cryptoid, this show has what you're looking for. Lots of intriguing topics and never a dull moment. Even when a topic comes out that is clearly a bogus claim, they present it in a way that will have you laughing right along with them. They don't claim to have the answers, but as their intro explains, if you give Preston, Rob, and Sean from Pixelated Paranormal a chance, they'll help you move just a little further down the paranormal highway. You won't be disappointed. Thanks, John and Nina, for the awesome review. Damn, that should go on the back of our book. (laughs) That'd be a great review for a book. Outside of our podcast, what else should people listen to? As always, O&D with our buddies Big Steven and Brady. Mm-hmm. Where they discuss video games and shit. Also, you can listen to Pixelated Radio uh, with me, Mark, Corey, and Rich. And also Rich's podcast, Sports Car Unleashed, where you can find out all about racing. Uh, and friends of the show, the main event podcast, where I was on an episode. I hopefully that episode has gone up. <laughs> I they said it was uh, SummerSlam was happening on s- this Sunday, so uh, it should have gone up before SummerSlam. Um, but yeah, I had a great time on that show, and you should listen because they talk more about us and the paranormal, especially uh, specifically me about video games and the paranormal stuff than they actually did about wrestling. So it was a really fun show and. I plan on doing some more things with them as time uh, comes about. So, damn, um, your show is up. Is it? Apparently, uh-huh. it dropped Friday. I didn't even see it. It's well, I think uh, I, I, from what I understand, Evan said there were some kind of issues where some of the shows didn't go up like they were supposed to, and so I'm thinking that was why it didn't, it didn't go up. On uh-huh. I never noticed it, and uh, yeah, I've, I told him also I had a hard time finding their podcast specifically. So oh, hell, I found it pretty easy. On, well, let's just well, take on, a, on iTunes. Oh yeah, yeah but well, let's but uh, I, I, let's talk real quick about the description of your episode, shall we? The sure. main event podcast episode, the perfect gentleman. Can we get an encore? <laughs> That's right. Two episodes in the same week. The main event cast is joined by a vet podcaster, Robert, the perfect gentleman would. We tackle everything from the paranormal to beer, Disney porn, and at the end, with some light wrestling news as we await SummerSlam this coming Sunday. This one is guaranteed to get you some laughs as we change it up a bit from our normal routine. Oh. <laughs> I don't even remember the Disney porn. I think I vaguely remember that being brought up. That's where you got me. Oh, right my God. I re- guys, I'm literally getting to that age where I can't remember shit about the podcast I record. That's funny. You know what? That might be a blessing. If you ever listen to our show, you might be like, that's some pretty cool stuff. <laughs> I, I Like, I forgot about putting the fleshlight in the robot last episode. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and my friend reminded me of this, and we laughed. There's some stuff in the last episode that didn't make the final John cut. Parker. 
<laughs> oh, good stuff. I love it. Yep. So, all right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to all that jargon, and we will catch you guys all. Oh, wait a second. Back up the truck. <laughs> we got to give a quick shout out to our boy Big Dobbs and his beard balm. That's right, guys. Big Dobbs beard balm, our favorite beard balm in the entire world. Can you can you guys hear it? I can hear it, and I can smell it all the way over here. That is some good smelling beard balm. So yeah, guys, if you guys got a beard and you need to put some kind of uh, you know care balm in it, what'd you say? Nothing. <laughs> if you need to put some kind of product in it to keep it moist, give you some good hold, and just keep it, uh, you know, I'm not going to say moist again, but, uh, yeah. You just did. I did, didn't I? Yeah. Check out Big Dobbs Beard Balm. And what's the website, Rob? <laughs> BigDobbsBeardBalm.com. Oh. Don't put me on the spot like that, man. <laughs> well, you've had two for two. You've had them. And I'm like, all right, Rob, yeah. Check out Big Dobbs Beardbomb.com and you can use the promo code PXLPARA to receive 20% off of your order from Big Dobbs Beardbomb.com. And with that being said, guys, we thank you so much for being here and we will catch you all next time around. Yay! Yay! The cast that pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. You have two ways. One, email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, we have that set up too. Dial us at 707-523-4263. Again, that's 707-523-4263. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Um, so if, if we if we get to the nitty gritty and we talk about the real you know supposed evidence, great Preston. What? Preston just walked away from his mic. Oh. <laughs> Without saying anything. No, I was just like, all right, let's get into the uh, actual evidence here, and he's like, yeah. Boop.